Hi, welcome to Waterstone Sermon Podcast. We're so glad that you've tuned in to join us today to study God's Word. Here at Waterstone, we exist to help people become like Jesus and live for others. What this means practically is that we gather together as one body to seek God's heart for justice, to serve together, and to connect with one another as the body of Christ. We hope that you'll join us for one of our weekend services soon. We gather on Saturday nights at 5 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We look forward to meeting you in person, and we hope that you enjoy today's sermon. A reading from Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred, Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Ash. You know, Larry said there are three options for what you're rooting for in the Super Bowl today, but I think you missed the fourth because you've got the 49ers and the Chiefs and commercials and then Taylor Swift, I think, is like part of the plot line today, right? Yeah. Okay. There's some of you who are like, yes, someone mentioned it. And then others, you're like, I'm so tired of that narrative. So that's all right. Um, Should be a good game. Uh, We are in our second week of our series, Controversial, looking at some of the difficult sayings of Jesus. And last week when Larry kicked off the series, he said that there are two reasons why the statements that we're looking at and that he chose for us to examine over the next few weeks are controversial. And the first is that sometimes some of the things Jesus says are just really hard to understand, right? Anybody ever like read through the gospels and you come to a passage, you're like, man, Jesus, what are you talking about? Anyone or just me? Okay, cool. All right, not alone. Great. Uh, And then he said the second reason why some of these statements are controversial is because when we read them, we know exactly what they mean, uh, and they're just really hard to follow. They're really challenging uh, for ways to follow Jesus. And uh, today I want to present to you a third option. Uh, Sometimes some of these statements are controversial because they're really hard to understand, and so we have no idea how we're supposed to follow them. Um, And that's this statement today. Uh, If you caught it at the end of Ash's reading there in verse 6 says, do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What in the world is Jesus talking about in this passage? Like what's the pearls? Like what are, who are the pigs and and the dogs? And why is Jesus calling someone pigs and dogs? I didn't think Jesus was supposed to like call people names. Like what in the world is going on in this passage? And as I was studying and looking at this passage over the last few weeks, there's, there's actually close to eight interpretations that people have for how to understand this like one verse. And anytime you see that many interpretations, it tells you one thing. Scholars have no idea. Like we just don't know what Jesus 
Jesus is talking about, and there's not consensus. Uh, and so I'm going to try to get us to a place where, where I think there's, I'm not arrogant enough to say I know more than everyone else, uh, but there's one answer that I do think kind of helps us understand what Jesus is saying in this statement, why it's so hard to understand, and why it might even be controversial. Now, here's how I often have heard this passage taught before, or how I've seen it. Uh, one of the most popular interpretations of this passage, I think, goes something like this. Most common interpretation. There are some people in the world who are so dirty, like pigs, or so hostile to truth, like violent, wild dogs, and their hearts are so hard that you should just never bother with them. You shouldn't take the gospel to them. You shouldn't try to tell them the truth about who Jesus is. You shouldn't try to point out sin in their lives because if you do, they're just going to tear you apart and rip you to pieces and it's not going to go well for you. So just steer clear of those types of sinners and people who are so evil. Anyone ever heard like some sort of interpretation around that? Okay. I, I don't think that really jives with who Jesus is. I don't think that really makes a lot of sense for two reasons. One of them is, is that in this passage, we use it to talk about evangelism, but I don't know that Jesus is talking about evangelism in this passage. And then secondly, contextually, when you look at how Jesus interacts with people and what's going on within this specific teaching, it doesn't really seem to align with the other things Jesus has just said. And in fact, it, it kind of seems like it takes it in a completely different direction. So what I'd like to do today with this controversial statement is zoom out a little bit, kind of see the context of what Jesus is saying in this particular teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, and then see if walking through that can give us a little bit of a better idea of what Jesus is saying when he says, don't cast your pearls to pigs. So what is Jesus saying? If we zoom out and we look at the context around, if you go to Matthew 7, verse 1, it begins by Jesus saying this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I truthfully think that, that outside of John 3.16, this is the most popular verse in all of Scripture. I think everyone knows this verse because everybody loves to throw at other people, you can't judge me. Like, you shouldn't judge me. If you're a Christian, Jesus said, you're not supposed to judge me. And we have this kind of you know, ethos in our, our culture, this understanding of this verse that Jesus is saying, don't judge other people or you'll be judged. And, and the way we take that to mean is that we can't make any kind of moral discernment about any other person. So we can't tell anybody else, hey, that behavior is not good for you. We can't tell anyone else, hey, that's sin, because we're not supposed to judge other people. Is that what Jesus is getting at? Is that what Jesus is trying to tell us? Is it have no moral discernment about right or wrong or good or evil? You just are supposed to mind your own business and, and not judge anyone else. Is that what Jesus is saying? I don't think that that is what Jesus is getting at. I actually think that's also a misinterpretation. Jesus isn't saying to, to not, or just to, to ditch all moral uh, judgment or discernment. In fact, if you look at the word judge, there's kind of two meanings uh, for the Greek word for judge. And the first one is this, passing a negative verdict on a person um, or thing and, and condemning them. 
And the second way is exercising the careful evaluation over persons or things or discernment. So let's take the second definition real fast to just kind of get all on the same page. We all make judgment statements. We all make discernment about what is good or what is bad. So let's just take like kind of a harmless thing. Like if we look at coffee or tea, right? We all make a discernment about what is the right thing and what is the wrong thing. And we all know coffee is the right choice, right? You with me? Okay. Or amen. Yeah, thank you. Or if we go to cats and dogs. No, I'm just kidding. I won't go there because I'll just offend some people with my thoughts on that one. But we, we all make judgments. We all make discernments, right? We all make choices about what we think is best or what is right or what is wrong. And, and a way you can even think about this second definition is if, if you think of, of the rule that, and the law in our country that we're not supposed to uh, drive while we are impaired uh, with some sort of substance. The, the reason we have laws against that is because it impairs our judgment. It, it affects our ability to discern right from wrong. So that's one understanding of this word judge. The first, though, passing a negative verdict on a person or thing, condemning them. Has anyone here ever felt like you have been condemned or like someone just looked at you, assessed your life, and judged who you were, made assumptions about who you were, your character, your ability to interact with the world, whatever it might be, and they just judged you? It's the worst. When you feel judged by someone else, I mean, it's terrible. In fact, uh, Barna Research, they did a study uh, 15 years ago or so where they asked non-believers to choose from a list of words what they thought most readily described Christians and followers of Jesus. Does anyone remember this study? I feel like preachers used it for a long time. Do you know what the top two words were? What was the first one? Judgmental. That if people disagree with them, Christians can't interact with them. They just judge them for not believing what they believe. And do you know what the second one was? Hypocrite. Hypocrite. Yeah, that they were hypocritical. So, so they're judgmental. If, if Christians don't agree with you on something and you don't agree with Christians, then they judge you for that. But also they're kind of hypocritical. And they don't even really believe what they teach. And they don't live according to their own teachings. Those were the the two top ways Christians were, and it goes to this second definition, that that so many people have interacted with Christians, and they walk away feeling condemned. They walk away feeling like they have been judged and weighed and found wanting because of how they choose to live their life or, or interact with the world. And so when it comes to this passage, what is Jesus talking about when he says, don't judge other people? Is it the, the first definition, don't condemn others? Or is it the second definition to, that, that we're not supposed to even discern what is right or what is wrong? And, and we're not even supposed to make judgment statements about what is good or evil. I, I think it's safe to say that in this passage, Jesus isn't talking about the, the latter. He's not saying that we cannot make discerning calls about what is right or wrong. What he is saying is there's something in how we judge those situations or those peoples. He's talking about the way we interact with judging others. And this is what I think it looks like for me in my life. As I see someone, um, and maybe I'm out with them, and and I see them, you know, and, and they have one drink too many. And I'm just like, oh, man, yep, that's not good. You shouldn't have done that. 
or, or I see someone and, and maybe they're dating someone that I just think is not good for them, it's not a healthy relationship, and I think, man, they, they shouldn't be in that relationship. I go one step further than just making that kind of like discerning statement of like, yep, that was too many or you shouldn't be dating that person. And, and I kind of categorize them and, and I assume things about their character. And I kind of put them over there and I put myself in this like superior moral high ground where I think I know what's right, you clearly don't. And so I'm making assumptions about who you are your character, and why you're choosing to do the things that you're doing. And then I categorize them as, as maybe some particular kind of person. And I think, you know, it's not just that they're having one too many, but maybe they're an alcoholic. Or, or maybe they're not just dating a person that's not good for them. Maybe they're a desperate person. And they make assumptions and judgments about who they are. But then I often go one step further. And, and I separate myself from them. I create distance. They're the ones who are, are morally inferior and don't know what's going on. I'm morally superior. And not only that, but I put Jesus on my side of the dividing line. And I stand next to Jesus. And I create this Jesus and me versus them mentality. We're like, Jesus, can you believe this person? Like, I just can't even believe that. And Jesus is sitting next to me, and he's always like, yeah, I know, right? Like, they're, they're pretty messed up. Like, that's, we would never, we would never, you know? And, and I create this dichotomy where it's me and Jesus versus the people I am looking at and observing their behavior or character or whatever it may be. And, and I not only judge what they're doing is wrong, I condemn them as a certain kind of person. Now, now, I'm sure that's just me, and no one else has ever done anything like that in the room, right? Like, none of you have ever had that sort of, of kind of self-appointed on God's committee to, to tell people what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad and, and point out all the faults and flaws in their lives. Like, none of you would ever do that, just me. See, I, I think what Jesus is getting at in this teaching is that it, it's a posture we have where, where we can create distance from ourselves and others based on the judgment and, and condemnation we have for other people. And, and we create a posture of distance and a posture of hostility, and, and we position ourselves in such a way where we place ourselves in the seat of the judge. We, we take God's position, and, and we make ourselves the judge of other people in our lives. Judgmentalism is a, a social sin where we are in the habit of constantly finding fault with others, what they say and what they do, and, and it's the critic who arrogantly assumes a superiority that entitles them to assess the failings of others. And we see this all over, within ourselves and within our society. It's so easy to slip into the space of judgmentalism. And I think what Jesus is saying is don't do that. You don't have a right to stand in that space and condemn someone else. You don't have the, the authority or the position to discern all of those things. And in fact, he drives this teaching home with an illustration about a, a log in our own eye and a speck of sawdust in your neighbor's eye. And in typical Jesus fashion, he's this, he's this masterful teacher where he kind of like makes you laugh a little bit as he punches you in the gut. And you're like, oh man, that, that one got me. So he goes on and he says this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, 
Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Has anyone here ever gotten something stuck in their eye before? Yeah, yeah. You can hear from the room, right? Like, it, it's painful. Remember this one time I was in college, and uh, it was my freshman year to try to make a little extra money in college. I worked on the grounds crew of our campus, which was a lot of, like, digging ditches and digging holes and putting mulch in and planting trees and all of that. And it was actually pretty fun work, except the, the worst part was... Around February, they built a new rugby field, and they dumped a bunch of dirt on the rugby field, uh, and it was just like soil that had a ton of rocks and pebbles, and it was terrible soil for a rugby field. And so the grounds crew was tasked with raking the entire rugby field to try to get all the rocks and pebbles out of the field. It was the most monotonous labor. Into, like, it was awful. I hated every minute of it. In fact, I, I quit after a month. I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't. But one day while we were doing this, uh, wind kicked up and it was blowing all of this dirt and all of this dry, and a, a pebble got stuck in my eye, under my eyelid. And, uh, and I could feel it in there. Like I, every time I blinked, it was like scraping and like pushing against it. And, and it just, like, it felt like it was so big and so intense. It was so painful. Uh, and then I had to like close my eye for three days and like tape it shut and, and just wait for it to kind of like weep out. And when it came out, it, it was like this big. It was so, so insignificant. And it had felt like someone had just like stuck a giant boulder in my face for three days. It was terrible. And, and Jesus in this parable, he's saying that, that we, you, me, we have a, a plank in our eye, like, like a telephone pole sticking out of our face protruding from our eyeball. Can you imagine just walking around and like everywhere you turn, people are like, duck! Like you just got this giant, like it's, it's so hysterical. It's so ridiculous. Like no one could actually, you can't have a tree coming out of your face and like be okay. But what Jesus' point is, is in this moment, what he's trying to say, what he's trying to teach us is that when it comes to, to judging others, when it comes to, to choosing what is right or wrong, and, and when it comes to, to judging other people, is that there's an implication in this teaching. And what he is saying is that we need to understand that our vision is impaired. That, that when it comes to, to judging and, and to condemning, we need to understand that our vision is impaired. Now, now, here's the thing. In the parable, is there a speck of sawdust in the other person's eyeball? Yes. How do you know? Because you saw it. What do you use to see it? Your eyes. These are all very easy answers. You should really be tracking. <laughs> What's happening with your eye, though? There's a tree sticking out of it. And so you are observing something that's wrong with someone else, and you want to help them with maybe this behavior, this sin, or this thing going on in their life, this little speck of sawdust. You think, man, they really got to get that out. It's irritating them. It's not good for them. And Jesus is saying, all the while you are doing that, your vision is impaired. You don't see the whole picture. You don't understand everything going on. To, to really drive it home, could you imagine if you walked into to a surgeon's office to have LASIK? And when you go in to have LASIK surgery, you walk in and the doctor just has like a two by four sticking out of his eyeball. Are you going to let that doctor perform surgery on you? Absolutely not. There's no way you'd be like, yep, all right, put me under, doc. Like, let's go for it. Like, no way. Because they are not qualified to do the thing that is needed to be done. And what Jesus is saying is that when it comes to judging other people or condemning other people, we need to have a posture where we understand, where we understand about ourselves 
that there is something wrong with our vision. Jesus is saying that when it comes to, to judging others, we do not have 20-20 vision. Now, that doesn't mean that the person we're observing or seeing that their behavior is right. It, it may very well be wrong. And Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't have a conversation with them and help them with the speck in their eye. What he does say is that we need to remove the plank in our own eye first before we have that conversation. That there's a way to have conversations with people where you don't condemn them in your judgment. You discern, but your conversation is helpful instead of harmful and builds them up instead of being destructive. Which is why I think the second implication of, of Jesus' teaching around this is, is this. He's saying that you don't have the right to condemn other people. Jesus is not telling us to not discern right from wrong, but he is telling us the way we discern right from wrong. And what he says is that we have no right to condemn other people. You know, I think so many of us, we are so good at exonerating ourselves, aren't we? We, we maybe do something that we shouldn't do or, or have some sort of behavior in our lives, and we have all sorts of justifying reasons for why that's in place within us. And we can almost explain away the things that we do wrong, but then it comes to someone else, and man, there is no explanation they could possibly give that would help us understand why they're doing what they're doing, because it's just wrong. And we see this play out in, in the community all the time. We, we make these snap judgments or these discernments about other people that, that are really condemnations. It's the person who, who sees someone drive into the church parking lot in a Tesla and thinks, oh my gosh, like they just spent so much money on that car. How dare they? Meanwhile, they haven't given charitably in years. Right? It's, the, it's the person who, who looks at a woman dressing provocatively and, and condemns her while they have a secret addiction to pornography. It's all the places where, where we maybe see a, a family walk into church late and they look a little disheveled and out of sorts and a little bit like, man, the morning didn't quite go well. And we can look at them and think, man, I'm glad that we put ourselves together in, in order to appear great in front of everyone else. Meanwhile, you and your spouse fought the entire way to church. I mean, it's all those ways that, that we can see what's going on in someone else's life and we can judge them and we can condemn them and excuse the things in our own. And we have this way, this ability to, to magnify the sin in other people's lives while remaining blind to the things that are going on within ourselves. See, I think at the heart of this teaching, what Jesus is saying is, is you don't have the right to create this, this distance from other people because it, it's not you and me versus others. You're not on the moral high ground. He, he's saying you are just as sinful. It's you and the sinners you see before me. And I think it pushes us directly to the heart of the gospel, this teaching, because what it, it really forces us to say and what I think Jesus is getting at is, is that we need to acknowledge that, that we are the kind of people that are in desperate need of God's grace. That we have no right to condemn other people when we go to this place of understanding just how deep and severe and serious our own sin is. If we were so self-concerned with the things going on within our own hearts and our own lives, 
we wouldn't feel the freedom to condemn anyone else because we would recognize how far we ourselves have to go. I mean, the beautiful thing about this teaching and about this understanding of what Jesus is saying is that when we go to that place, when we acknowledge that we are people in desperate needs of God's grace, that that we have no right to condemn, it forces us to look at Jesus' life and examine how he interacted with people who had telephone poles sticking out of their eyes. You can think of all the stories he interacted with, all of these people who were sinners and and who were prostitutes and tax collectors and the disciples and Peter. And man, Peter, he had had a lot of two-by-fours sticking out of his face, am I right? Like story after story after story where he doesn't get it. And what does Jesus do in every single one of these stories interacting with his people? He doesn't condemn them. He's patient. He, He continually points out the truth but he does so in a way where they never feel condemned. In fact, one of my favorite stories is the story of the woman who's pulled out of an adulterous situation and people want to stone her and kill her. And Jesus tells people who has no sin can cast the first stone and everyone walks away and Jesus looks at the woman and says, is no one here to condemn you? And then what does he say? Neither do I condemn you. See, Jesus interacted with people all the time who who had logs and planks and all sorts of things that were messed up and wrong about them. And every single time, Jesus shows grace and mercy and kindness and compassion without losing his conviction. And, And so how this teaching pushes us to the heart of the gospel is if Jesus did not condemn them, then he will not condemn you. And when we go to that place, When we understand that Jesus has not condemned us, but has given his life for us, then it frees us from the need to condemn or judge others or build ourselves up through condemning or judging others because we recognize just how deeply we need God's grace and just how far God went to display his grace for us. See, it pushes us to the very core of the gospel that we have no right to condemn others. And when we understand that, when we get a picture of that, I think it changes our interaction of how we choose to have the conversation with the person with the the sawdust in their eye, That, that sinful behavior, that thing we know that's not good for them. And I do think it's important to say there was one exception Jesus had, I think, for for some of these conversations and the way that he called people out. And there was one group in particular that Jesus at times had no problem condemning. And do you remember who that was? was The Pharisees, the people who were the most judgmental towards others. Because what does Jesus say to start this passage? Don't judge others or you will be judged just as severely. And so it's something for us to wrestle with of what it looks like to interact with others without condemning them and judging them before Jesus. So what does all this have to do with pigs and pearls and dogs who are going to tear you to pieces? Like, what is Jesus talking about? And how does this get there? Let's look at that, that final verse one more time. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. 
Now, this feels like a real sharp turn where Jesus says, don't judge other people, don't condemn other people, don't, don't lob stones at them. You have a plank in your own eye, you need to recognize. And then he starts calling people dogs and pigs and like telling you to stay away from them. Like what is going on? And I think what is happening here is that, that we oftentimes want to come to a parable and we want to allegorize it. So we want to say, okay, like the pearl is, is maybe the, the kingdom of God. And the pigs, oh, that, you know, Jesus or, or the Jews at that time, sometimes they called Gentiles pigs. So Jesus is probably talking about Gentiles here. And, and dogs were like wild animals that were kind of vicious and tore people apart. And so maybe he's talking about violent sinners. And so what Jesus is saying is that don't give the kingdom of God to Gentiles or to violent sinners. Man, that doesn't seem like what Jesus is teaching about in this passage. It doesn't seem like he's talking about evangelism. It seems like he's actually talking about our relationship with fellow believers. And I think where we go wrong is we allegorize this and try to turn it into something it's not, where Jesus is actually just making a simple illustration on the face value. Uh, he's talking about pigs and dogs and what they value and giving them things that they don't value and how that doesn't actually do anything. So to, to maybe help illustrate this, I uh, grew up in Iowa and my great-grandfather and my grandpa, uh, they had a, a huge farm. Uh, but when I was growing up, a lot of it had been sold off. There were no longer cornfields or soybeans or that kind of thing. But they still had a ton of pigs on the farm. Uh, so I grew up on a pig farm. You didn't, maybe didn't know that about me until just now. Um, and there were like hundreds and hundreds of pigs on this farm. And so I grew up kind of chasing around like little pigs in the, in the yard and, and doing all the like pig farming stuff. And... Uh, Here's what I know about pigs is, is you can see a pig in a pen and it will look like it's dead. Like it will just not move. It doesn't care about anything in the world. It's just laying in mud. It's just hanging out. And then when you feed it, you have never seen something that is so alive and so wild in your entire life. Like all a pig cares about is being fed. In fact, some sows will even eat their own young to make sure they're still fed. Like they don't care about anything. They just want to be fed. That's the, only, that's the baseline thing that they care about. And similarly for wild dogs that Jesus is talking about in this story. A wild dog only cares about making sure it stays alive through being fed. And what happens if you give a pig a pearl? It has absolutely no comprehension of what you've just given it. It has no idea the value you've just given it. All it cares about is being fed. And so it may try to eat it. It may break a tooth. It may lodge in its throat. It may get, get angry at you because you didn't give it what it actually needed. Like it has no comprehension. And, and you have maybe even given it something inherently good and valuable. But the, the pig is incapable of realizing it. You see, I think what Jesus is saying there is there's a way to have conversations with people. When you see the sin or the behavior in their life, that it may be a pearl of wisdom that you can give them. But if you don't give it to them in a way that they can actually receive it and actually accept it, if you don't give it to them in a way that's valuable, you're absolutely wasting your time. It makes no difference to them. And in fact, will often provoke the opposite response of what you intended, which is so true to how we live our lives, isn't it? I mean, if someone comes to you and says, hey, you know what? I want to do you a favor. I'm going to tell you about all the ways that you're wrong and all the ways that I'm right. And I'm just going to point them out to you right now. You good? Like, how are you going to respond to that? Oh, thank you so much. I've been waiting, you know? I've just been waiting for someone to come along and tell me all the things that I was doing wrong. No, no. None of us wants to be confronted with the, the things, that, especially not in that way, right? 
And Jesus is saying there is a way you can have that conversation with a fellow believer, with someone who has sawdust in their own eyes, where, where it actually provokes a response of change as opposed to them becoming defensive and turning on you, which is what so often happens to us, isn't it? Someone comes to us and says, you're wrong, you need to change. You say, oh yeah, well, what about you? And we just go back and forth. And Jesus is saying there's wisdom for how we interact with one another, that that we have humility because we recognize that our sin is grievous and, and evil and wrong, and so we have this humility about ourselves And then when we go to have the conversation, there is a way to have the conversation that brings value and worth to what that person actually needs, as opposed to just throwing them something valuable in a way that they can't have anything to do with it. Does that make sense? I think I saw this play out uh, over the last few weeks um, in uh, headlines uh, about a pastor named Alistair Begg. Does anyone know who Alistair Begg is? He's a, a pastor in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, he's actually Scottish and uh, moved to Cleveland to become a pastor as a missionary uh, in America. And um, a few weeks ago, when I say he made headlines, I just saw all this on Twitter. I don't know if it made like national news. Like it was just on Twitter. Uh, but he uh, made headlines because he was having a conversation on his radio show with a woman who called in to ask him for advice on a situation she was dealing with. And the situation was this, is, is her grandson um, identifies as gay and was getting married. And the woman wanted to know whether or not she should attend the wedding as a believer and follower of Jesus. And throughout the course of the conversation, Alistair gave her the advice to go to the wedding um, and bring a gift of a Bible as a gift for her grandson. And in the course of the conversation, what he said is, is he basically asked her, does, does he know that you don't agree with his lifestyle? And she said, yes. He said, I don't think it does you any good to not go to the wedding because he already knows that you're not in support of this decision. But go, show him compassion, show him love, and give him a Bible so he can still have something of God's truth. And man, people like lost their minds. Uh, He just got like raked over the coals. Um, He got uninvited from speaking at pastor's conferences. Uh, people took away his radio show. Um, pastors were outraged and said that he was, you know, a false teacher and a false prophet and someone who was teaching against the way of Jesus. And, and it caused this huge firestorm in his life. Now, what you have to understand about this preacher, Alistair Begg, is that, that he has been a faithful preacher of the gospel for over 40 years. Um, and in fact, just six months ago, he was at a university where someone asked him what the definition of marriage was according to the Bible. And he said, one man, one woman, and it like shut the whole place down. Like there were people like lost their minds for the other reason. And so he's standing in this place trying to give advice to this woman and people judge, condemn, throw stones and and kind of blow up his life because of the advice. And you may disagree with his advice. You may not think it's right. He even said himself that, you know, to a different person, I may give different advice. This was my advice to her. But after all of that happened, uh, his church kind of wanted to know, like, what's going on? Where are you following on this? What's happening? And and so he gave a sermon uh, two weekends ago where he basically explained why and and how he views this issue. He hasn't changed his conviction at all. Um, But what he said is, is that he would rather fall on the side of compassion than condemnation when it comes to telling people about who Jesus is. 
compassion over condemnation. And I think at the heart of this passage, that's what Jesus is getting at. Is he is saying that, that we are called to compassion over condemnation of other people without losing our conviction. We still hold on to what we believe, but there's a way of engaging with the world and with other people about the truth that leads us to a place of compassion, not condemnation. I think that's what Jesus is calling us to in this controversial statement. And so here's the call for us. It is what if we lived such controversial lives that, that we showed so much compassion to those in the world around us, not condemnation, without losing our conviction, so that they might know the love of Jesus, so they might remove the speck from their eye and follow him more closely. I think when we step into that space, the, the controversy is that, man, who should you show compassion for? I think Jesus is saying everyone, because all of you could have been condemned. All of you could have been condemned, and yet I did not condemn you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we uh, come to this controversial statement of Jesus, God, we're reminded that for those of us who, who follow you, uh, who have given our lives and our allegiance to you, uh, there is no condemnation for anything that we have done, anything in our past, anything in our present, anything in our future. And that, God, you uh, have, have displayed your grace to us, a people who are in desperate need of your grace. God, I pray that that would characterize our posture as we interact with the world and as we interact with fellow believers. That, God, we would not condemn, but that we would show compassion even as we hold on to our conviction. And it's in Christ's name that we pray these things. Amen.